You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. And we are live with the Standing Room Spartans podcast. Your host, Kevin Parker, your co-host, Scott Martin, here on a fine Wednesday morning. And we have, well, quite a lot to talk about. Um, You know, obviously, we have a ways to go before uh, Michigan State football kicks off again uh, in the Peach Bowl against Pittsburgh. I hope uh, many of you are buying tickets. I saw that we, we already sold like half of our ticket allotment in the first 48 hours or something so for everybody going to the game i hope you enjoy it and uh for those of us who unfortunately are unable to um eh, it'll be a good time either way so until then we have plenty to talk about we've got recruiting we've got transfer portal we've got coaching changes we've got a lot of things on the docket here for the next couple weeks first things first is the bull pick'em has been created the link will be posted in the details of this here episode. So just click on the episode wherever you're listening. There will be a link. You just click on that. It'll take you right to the bull pick them. Uh, we're keeping it as simple as possible. Um, no confidence picks, nothing against the spread. Just straight up pick the winners of every game. Um, I think that keeps it as simple as possible. Uh, for those who aren't, you know, as uh, gambling savvy and worried about the pick spread, just pick the winners. We'll make it simple for you. Uh, free to join. We are still kind of talking about uh, a potential prize, some other options. Currently, the best option we have on the table is that the winner will join us on the podcast uh, for an episode of their choosing. Uh, or if you're not comfortable joining and uh, being on the microphone and and everything, then you can uh, pick the topic for an off-season episode, and we will center an entire episode around uh, whatever it is that you choose. So go ahead, click that link, join the Bull Pick'em. We'll be posting it on Facebook and Twitter as well, the Facebook group Standing Room Spartans Community. The Twitter page is Standing Room MSU. Follow Scott as well at SpartanMartin18. Those links are in the show notes as well. With that out of the way, Scott, it's a fine Wednesday morning here. How are we doing? Doing good. Um, the sting of the Heisman finalist announcement has worn off a little bit. We'll certainly touch on that. That'll probably be at the top of the show. Um, other than that, doing well. Mel Tucker's getting the off season. It's kind of it's like the preseason for the off season. I feel like bowl season is. You start getting back into the recruiting mix. You start seeing what next year's team's gonna 
going to look like? And then you got one more game to refocus on. So it's always an interesting time, but I'm excited for bowl season. I'm excited for the holidays. I'm excited for the new year. Um, yeah. I sent, and, speaking uh, we, of recruiting, I sent this over to you and TJ. Um, you know, we're starting to see a bunch of the pictures of the coaching staff in the living room, in the classroom or whatever of the high school. And uh, a good portion of the staff went over to West Bloomfield. We know how many recruits are coming out of there every year. And, you know, obviously East Lansing to West Bloomfield, that's what, about an hour 15 uh, down 96. So I, I was thinking about this as I watched it. And, and of course, the realistic scenario is that probably a lot of them are driving separate. But I was thinking, like, if the staff is carpooling down to West Bloomfield from East Lansing, like who's driving, who's shit, who's sitting shotgun, um, who's got bitch seat in the middle in the back. Like Scott, did you have any, any thoughts about that? The driving arrangement. I feel like Mel Tucker. Staff. I feel like Mel is probably shotgun, right? He's not going to, he's not going to be the chauffeur, but he's not going to sit in the back. I, see, I um, had the thought of, you know, of him sitting shotgun too, because I just feel like he's one of those guys who's constantly working on something. So he would take that. Right even that hour 15, he would take that as an opportunity to use like his mobile hotspot and pull out his laptop and, and watch some film or something. Like he just strikes me as that kind of guy that wouldn't waste time driving. Yeah. I could even see like they had a car for the offense and the car for the defense. Although I don't think they're all traveling together, but they're like sitting in there talking game plan, talking recruits Um, would love to be a fly on the wall on some of those trips. Um, and also I read an article the other day about this. Well, actually it was a, it was a tweet thread about this guy who happened to be in like a coffee shop or a restaurant or something while a transfer recruiting conversation was happening between a recruit and a coaching staff, a couple of coaches. It was interesting because it basically was a fly on the wall. This guy was live tweeting the updates, like down to like their, um, body language and like their tone and what they were talking about. And it was interesting because like, obviously we know coaches go have conversations with recruits all the time. Right. But I never really had an image of how do those conversations go? Like what kinds of things do they actually talk about? You know, how like straightforward are they um, with certain things? Like, look, we don't think you're going to play until you're a senior, but we'd love to have you or, uh, look, our NIL deals are huge. If you want to make, you know, like how direct, how indirect are they? Um, it was interesting to see kind of a peek behind the curtain there. But yeah, especially um, nowadays with NIL, with the portal and everything, like those conversations are a lot different than even when we were in school. I played with a kid um, who was really highly recruited. Recruited, He was a four-star kid. He ended up going to Michigan uh, from my high school. And so he had he had people at practice. He had people at games. He had people, you know, after school, some days would come to the coach's office and set up a meeting with him. And, uh, you know, it, it was, I, even that time was a different age where it was just, you know, you're making your four year commitment. There was no, uh, you know, there wasn't really talk of, of transferring or NIL and stuff. So even from that time and I graduated 2012, so 10 years ago, in that 10 years, I'm sure those recruiting conversations have changed drastically. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, the, the landscape's evolving. It feels like every 
year, if not every month these days, but look at us. We already got sidetracked. Um, <laughs> top of the show was supposed to be Heisman talk. And I think we should rip that bandaid off before um, we do. Uh, I want to make sure we get uh, our, our good friends out of the way here because we'll, we'll forget about them and, and they don't deserve that. They deserve better. So DraftKings has been with us for most of the season here. So by now, you know, and if you haven't signed up yet, well, bowl season is coming up. The NFL is winding down here and new customers who bet just $1 on any team to score in an NFL football contest can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. If DraftKings Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the NFL action, playing for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN for the Pigskin Podcast Network, of which we are a proud member. Bet $1 on any team to score, and you win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Scott, I cut you off there. You were introducing the Heisman topic that I'm sure will get us uh, a little bit more heated, a little bit less happy-go-lucky this morning. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to break my microphone screaming into it this morning. I might. Um, we kind of prefaced this last week, right? We said that this is not what we want to happen. This is not what we think should happen, whatever that word means but this is what we think will happen. Um, Kenneth Walker obviously did not make the invite list to New York. The final list was Bryce Young, Aiden Hutchinson, Kenny Pickett, and CJ Stroud. And my first reaction being stuck in this rivalry like we are is I can't believe Aiden Hutchinson made it over Kenneth Walker. The reality as I've sat on it for a couple of days is I don't, think the conversation is Kenneth Walker versus Aiden Hutchinson. You can go Will Anderson versus Aiden Hutchinson as the best defensive player all you want. Um, I'd be fine with either one being there. I don't think Kenny Pickett or CJ Stroud deserve to be there over Kenneth Walker. The problem is the, you know, we talk about game scripts and how they affect stats and the way that things play out. The season script did not play out in Kenneth Walker's favor, right? You could kind of feel that coming. And this is a problem with playing a rival in the middle of the year. Kenneth Walker had his Heisman moment in whatever week that was, week eight, week nine, when we played End Michigan. October, yeah. And that left a whole month plus of other Heisman candidates to have their opportunities. And Kenneth Walker, for as good as three out of four of his games were in November, didn't really make any big splash in the month of November. He didn't have his five touchdown game. He didn't have a 200 yard game, et cetera, in the month of November. He had three games that are very good games, great games by typical standards for a Heisman 146 yards and a touchdown 143 yards two touchdowns 138 yards touchdown those are good weeks for a Heisman candidate those are not highlight weeks for a Heisman candidate 
he sat there in the background and as Aiden Hutchinson dominated Ohio state as CJ Stroud continued to throw to the best receiving core in the nation as Bryce young pummeled the quote unquote best defense I've ever seen. Um, I think I did call them that. So the, the season script was, it was tough from the start. He needed that Ohio state game to make a statement and it didn't work out for many reasons. Um, it's frustrating, but the thing that I kind of was stuck on Monday night after it was announced is who do you get mad at? Like, it's one thing for Gary Barta and the 14 or however many folks on the college football playoff committee, it's easy to get mad at them. They have faces, they have names. There's only a few of them. Like there's this kind of running undertone that there's this conspiracy against Kenneth Walker against people who get snubbed. Like there's 917, I think individual vote, 927 individual votes plus the fan vote for the Heisman. There are not 927 people in this country conspiring to keep Kenneth Walker away from New York City. You can say what you want about how much the voters pay attention to national college football, how much they actually give credence to every legitimate candidate or whether you know they're just collecting a paycheck, punching their ballot and moving on with their Sunday afternoon. Um, but this is not a conspiracy. The reality is that's almost a thousand people it comes down to marketing campaigns, marketing dollars, and you're, you're selling a product to get those votes basically. And, you know, the Michigan marketing team went to work. The Ohio state marketing team went to work. Bryce young deserved to be there and earned it. No real idea how Kenny Pickett made it uh, other than the fact that he won a conference championship game, which is also an important factor here. Am I frustrated upset for Kenneth Walker of course am I going to get pissed off and scream into the mic no because the reality is this is the way it's always been this is the way it's going to be it's a popularity contest which comes down to exposure and which comes down to um yeah marketing and a lot of factors that are outside the control of the players so Kenneth Walker certainly deserves to be there but this isn't a surprise my my biggest problem, and you know, to your point, CJ Stroud has no business in New York. No business in New York. For any, you know, sadistic Michigan fans who are listening to this and waiting for, for the opportunity to clip us talking about Aiden Hutchinson, I won't even do that. I don't need to because CJ Stroud has no business being in New York. I could name 25 quarterbacks off the top of my head that in a, in this season with that talent that he has to work with can go 10 and two finish eighth in the country in passing yards and fifth in the country in passing touchdowns. He had two games on the schedule that were even really possible to lose. You lost both of them. And from a statistical measure, like you were good, not great. I can name 25 quarterbacks who could walk in and say, all right, here's your here's your situation. You've got three first-round wide receivers. You've got a future first-round running back. You've got maybe three first-round offensive linemen, and you have arguably the best play caller in the sport. Here you go. I could probably name 25 quarterbacks who could throw for about 3,800 yards and about 38 touchdowns, and it's nothing against C.J. Stroud, the person or the player. It's a good player. He's not a Heisman candidate. That's a joke. And, and for the college football media 
who voted for him, you're basically telling me and America to their faces that you didn't watch a single game of college football other than the team that you um, that you're on the beat or whatever. Because if you voted for CJ Stroud this year, you basically you might as well have filled out your ballot in August. You might as well just put in fill in the blank Ohio State quarterback. And it's just so dumb. And, you know, like Graham Couch put out an article and I, I understand the point he was trying to make, but in doing so, he, he pointed out the biggest problem with Heisman trophy voting. Like you said, there are 927 writers who are voting for this award. A good chunk of them are on the beat. And he, he pointed out in his article, like when uh, I think he was talking about the iron bowl, when the iron bowl kicked off, Michigan state was tipping off in a basketball game against, I think it was Toledo, whatever it was, whoever it was. And he basically said like, yeah, I didn't have time to watch it. I was busy covering the basketball game and all right, that's fine. I understand that. But at the same time, number one, what you're telling me is that you don't give a flying, you know, what about college football, because any college football game fan who didn't watch the game, who, you know, maybe you were busy you were out with your girlfriend, you were doing whatever. And you saw the final result of a four overtime iron bowl. The first thing you're doing is going and watching the highlights. And if you didn't watch the highlights of that game, even you're telling me to my face that you're just not a college football fan. You don't care about college football. You're not interested in college football flat out. Like my, my dad, he loves Michigan state football. He's been a season ticket holder for what? 20 years goes to every game. Doesn't care about the rest of college football. Never watches any other college football games. If, if Ohio state's playing Oregon doesn't care. And that's perfectly fine. He doesn't vote for the goddamn Heisman trophy. So it's just, he pointed out that he has, he really literally wrote in his article, like I voted for Bryce young to win the Heisman. And I've seen him throw the ball like 15 times this year. Don't vote. Like just because you're given a vote doesn't mean nobody's holding a gun to your head. And if you're going to be the one that's pointing out how stupid this process is, you're doing so by voting. That's so stupid and it's just so the process is so dumb and it's you know it's first of all it's on the Heisman Trust for putting this process in place in the first place and having this many voters who have other responsibilities who aren't taking the award seriously but second of all for the people like Graham Couch who are literally telling you to your face that they don't care about the award that they don't care about their vote that they don't value their vote and yet they're still voting. Nobody's holding a gun to your head. Just say, you know what? I'm not voting this year. I don't feel that, you know, I, I have a good enough knowledge of the, of the uh, nominees. And I, I just don't feel comfortable putting my name onto something that I don't know anything about. You can do that. I'm sure they will just withdraw your vote. Like <laughs> nobody's holding a fucking gun to your head, Graham. Don't vote. If you didn't watch the games, don't vote. And it's so frustrating because there are 900 people voting for this award. And I would estimate that probably 100 of them have like an, an actual knowledge of what's going on outside of the team that they represent. 
that of all the voters in the South, you know, maybe 10% of them actually watched Kenneth Walker this year, or of the voters in the West that maybe 10% of them actually watched CJ Stroud before they put him on the ballot. It's so stupid. And I just, again, like my dad loves Michigan state football, watches every game, doesn't vote for the Heisman. Why? Because he doesn't know anything about the other candidates. And that's basically, you're basically giving my dad a Heisman vote by giving Graham couch a Heisman vote. And that's stupid. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how you fix the voting. Um, Josh Pate wants to do a, (laughs) um, college football, basically knowledge test once a year right? Uh, to prove like, that you know what you're I talking love. about. Um, yeah, and the other reality here is it just it just highlights how hard it is for a running back to, to get any attention in this award, let alone win it. Um, a point was made, I don't remember by who, but it was a good point that even in losses, quarterbacks have the advantage of still putting up good numbers. In Ohio yep. State's two losses, C.J. Stroud – went 69 for 103 for over 800 yards, five touchdowns and one interception. They lost both games. Kenneth Walker in our two losses had 29 carries for 160, 71 yards and, and one touchdown. So same thing with Kenny Pickett, right? Lost two or three games, but I'm sure his numbers from those games look really nice. So it's just, it's a tough award for running backs. It's a popularity contest for quarterbacks. Kenny Pickett um, threw six touchdown passes in a loss to Western Michigan. There you go. The challenge here is, or I, I guess what I'm left with is, is just don't take the award too seriously. Um, it's tough because it's the, it's the paramount individual award of the sport. Of, isn't um, it like of sports? Is there any trophy, individual trophy in all of sports that has the magnitude of the Heisman? Because I don't think so. Like an NFL not, MVP, I don't remember who won the MVP two years ago. Right. Yeah, I would say not. I remember who won the Heisman team, two years ago. Like, Not in team sports. Obviously, championships and in individual sports right. are, are huge. But f- as far as just recognition awards in team sports, I, I can't. I don't think. I don't think anything holds a candle to it, but you can, you just can't take it too seriously. I mean, if they want to devalue it with voters that don't care and just picking the best video game stats, then that's what the award is. It's the video game stat mm-hmm. award of the year. And, and and not only the video game stat, but the video game stat 90% of the time at the prominent blue blood program, right? Like you I have mean, to do Lamar Jackson to win a Heisman. If you're not, you know, a, a, an Oklahoma, Michigan, Ohio state, Clemson, Alabama. Who Lamar Jackson, if he had that season at Alabama, LSU, Clemson, Ohio state would be considered, you know, in the same class as Joe Burrow, greatest individual season of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, and he doesn't, he's just another Heisman winner, I think in a lot of people's memory banks, but I mean, that's where we're left. It's going to be really hard for a Michigan State player to ever win it unless we go through a dynasty that completely alters the landscape of this program. That's just the reality. And I um, I tweet, like you're talking about stats too. Like I tweeted about it for those who missed it. I'll just run through it really quick. I, I went through the last eight Heisman finalist running backs and there's no reason I picked eight. I just kind of was going back by the years and, and that was kind of the time I decided that it was enough. 
Uh, Bryce Love, Stanford, Christian McCaffrey, Stanford, Derrick Henry, Alabama, Melvin Gordon, Wisconsin, Trent Richardson, Alabama, LaMichael James, Oregon, Toby Gerhardt, Stanford, Mark Ingram, uh, Alabama. And, you know, a lot of people, they're, they're pointing out, well, Derrick Henry, he had 2,200 yards and 30, whatever. T- he played 15 games and, and those were his final stats. So like when you're going on to sports reference or ESPN and you're looking at his stats, like, first of all, those weren't his stats when the Heisman was announced. Second of all, it's just not a level playing field. So I went per game. And just averaged it all out. How many games did you play? How many yards did you have? How many touchdowns did you have? Of those eight, Kenneth Walker was sixth out of the eight in yards per game and fifth out of the eight in touchdowns per game. So was he first or second? No, but all of those guys were Heisman finalists and he was right there statistically with all of them. And if you added, I I just kind of threw out an arbitrary number, 150, 160 yards, uh, because, you know, he didn't, had the stats against Youngstown state. He had what seven carries in that game. So if we wanted him to get a Heisman and you give him the ball a few more times against Youngstown state, give him the ball a few more times against Ohio state. I'm not even looking for his season average in, in carries or something like 28. I'm just looking for like 15 carries in each of those games. You're probably getting about another 150, 160 yards and let's call it another one touchdown. Well, now all of a sudden he's third in that group in yards. So that's how close the gap was. So in terms of yards per game, he is right in the thick of it with all of those Heisman finalists. And in terms of touchdowns, again, he's right in the middle of that group. So if you want to look at this statistically, Kenneth Walker belongs. If you want to look at it from a storyline perspective, this team's going, what, six and six without Kenneth Walker? There's no way we're winning 10 games without Kenneth Walker. So if you want to look at like value to the team, no matter how you look at it, Kenneth Walker got absolutely hosed and it's a joke. And it's not even just Michigan state fans complaining about this. Like you mentioned, Josh Pate, he was one to say like, it's an absolute travesty that Kenneth Walker did not get invited to the, to the Heisman as a Heisman finalist. And I've seen other national people reporting it as well. Like it's just, it's a joke. And until the system changes, this is what we're going to have to deal with. He's going to have to put up 200 yards in every game and even if he has one slip up, then the, you know, everybody will look well, you know, you see that Ohio state game. Like, yeah, I saw our defense getting torched and we were down by 49 points at halftime. And and where exactly are we blaming that on Kenneth Walker? Cause I I'm not really catching your drift there, but it's a joke. And, and again, like, I don't even, the people who voted for Aiden Hutchinson, I'm not even really that mad at you, to be honest. Like at least you can make the argument that, you are trying to find the best player in college football and you're not really looking at the stats or the, you know, position value. You're not just picking the quarterback. Like I, at least to a certain extent, respect the vote of Aiden Hutchinson as, as silly as that may sound. It's the CJ Stroud vote beyond anything else that just really bugs me because you're just blindly telling people that you're like, yeah, Ohio state quarterback, 10 wins, decent stats, put him in there. And you did no research whatsoever. And that's the one that bothers me the most. Yeah. Um, I don't know what else needs to be said. It's, it's frustrating as a fan. It stinks, but in reality, I feel worst for Kenneth Walker, right. the most humble right. guy that no one deserves it more. And the guy, he's not going to go out there and make a fuss over himself. You know, he's a quiet guy. He likes to go out there and let his play do the talking. He, his play did the talking 
And, and he had it on his goals. We talked about that earlier this year. Like this was one of his goals to be a finalist and he earned it and it got taken away. It's a joke. Right. So it's frustrating for him. Um, at the end of the day, it's going to be great to have a first team all American on our team. Uh, potentially probably better be Doak Walker winner. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> if he does, Oh my God. I don't, I don't even want to go down that road. But we have a few more things to get to here, and we want to get to them um, and keep this episode rolling. So I think if you're ready, we'll cap the Heisman talk there. Yeah, um, I've said everything I need to say. So yeah, I hope so everybody want- like understands the context that we're trying to bring to this. Like it's just the the award itself, like you said. I mean, if if they're not taking it seriously, then maybe we shouldn't either. I guess, but I don't know, man. It's frustrating. Yeah, yeah. So we'll leave it there. Don't, I know my take wasn't super spicy. Don't think I'm not frustrated or upset or just, I was straight up mad Monday night. Um, but it's hard to be, I don't want to bash my head against the wall of a system that's has no interest in changing. So, um, it is what it is. The Heisman is you take it with a grain of salt these days. Um, but back in Michigan state land, we know our bowl game. We went through that last episode. Again, we'll have a breakdown for that in the coming episodes in the coming weeks. Not sure exactly when yet. But for now, we're kind of left in this intermediate time. Uh, some transfer talk, some recruiting talk, some coaching moves. Let's get the coaching moves out of the mm-hmm. way here because I think they'll be pretty quick. So a couple moves. Traveris Tillman, our cornerbacks coach, uh, hired away by Georgia Tech to be their defensive backs coordinator, coach. I think just DB coach. coach, yeah. Um which is a slight uh, promotion and Ephraim Reed, who was an offensive analyst helping with the running backs room with William Piegler was hired away to, I think, Georgia state. Yeah. Georgia state running backs coach, I believe. So both uh, obviously contributed this year. Uh, Kevin, anything stick out with either one? I know there were some, you know, <laughs> tongue in cheek comments about Traveris Tillman, but uh anything sticking out yeah i mean uh we we talked about it on the podcast recently that you know when you're a new staff with a lot of pretty inexperienced guys when you look up and down the staff um at at their positions and then all of a sudden you go 10 and 2 you know other programs are going to come sniffing around so i wasn't really surprised that a couple guys got plucked uh yeah i did see some comments so just to clear it up like Travars Tillman I I saw some implications that, you know, he wasn't welcome back after the year that the defensive backs had. I just want to put that to bed. He got a promotion. Like you said, he's going from cornerbacks coach where he was clearly the number two under Harlem Barnett in the defensive backfield staff meetings. Uh, And he is going to play for his alma mater at Georgia tech. And he is from Georgia. So not only is this a promotion for him as, as far as going from corners to DBs, but he's also going back home, the, the school that he played for, the state that he grew up in. So I just wanted to put that to bed. Uh, Mel Tucker talked about his ability as a recruiter and as a school that's you know really targeting the state of Georgia. I'm sure that presence will be missed. And I'm sure whoever we bring in to replace him will be a recruiter and will probably have ties to somewhere in the South. So keep an eye out for uh, that replacement. 
And uh, like you said, with the analyst stuff, you know, we don't really know much about these guys. They're doing most of their work behind closed doors and, um, you know, wish them the best. So correction, Georgia Southern is Georgia where Southern Reed landed, not Georgia state. So, um, and he's yeah going to be a running backs coach. So obviously also getting a promotion from off the field analyst to on the field position coach, keeping his uh, hopefully a long career. Yeah, and it just, I mean, it, it's all positive, stuff. right? Like it grows the Mel Tucker coaching tree. It, it gives, you know, it, it's, it's always good to have, you know, the Nick Saban coaching tree is legendary, right? And Mel Tucker is, is starting his own little coaching tree. So yeah. Um, and best of luck. I don't, I don't know how much this plays into it, but obviously when Mel Tucker was putting his staff together last off season or two off seasons ago, he was very rushed to find guys. And this gives him an opportunity, not saying he would have made a different hire if he would had a full coaching cycle to, to kind of look around, but gives him an opportunity, especially at the cornerbacks coaching, you know, position coaching situation to, to find a guy he really likes, take his time with the hire and, and have a full pool of candidates. Again, not sure if he would have made a different um, decision, not saying Traveris Tillman was a desperate hire. I don't know. Um, and I also don't think it's fair to hold the cornerback play fully no, on no. Uh, Traveris Tillman because it's a new staff with a lot of guys playing a new scheme. It didn't have a whole lot of talent bringing new guys in. It was a tough situation and we just don't have enough of a sample size to know, okay, it was clearly the coach that was the problem. Um, so wishing him the best, but speaking of personnel, Kevin, um, let's talk transfers first, and then we'll just give a yep. quick little recruiting roundup. So, uh, first and foremost, linebackers, uh, we've hosted now two pretty, I guess, high value, um, linebacker transfer targets. One we talked about already being Jacoby Windman from UNLV, who now has a transfer portal crystal ball from the Michigan State 247 guys to Michigan State. So we mentioned we loved his tape, looked very athletic, had a great year at UNLV, still has two or three years of uh, eligibility left. Could be a great building block if he does find his way to East Lansing. And the other one from Mississippi, Mississippi (laughs) State, uh, Aaron Brule, who I think is either still on his visit or was just on his visit uh, to Michigan State, top 500 guy back in the 2018 class. Obviously, a lot has changed since then. Got a little bit of chatter for a second round NFL draft projection from, I think, Matt Miller mm-hmm. of Bleacher Report. Um, I haven't dug in as much on this guy and his tape, Kevin, but anything of note uh, here? Yes. Yeah, I mean, he's started each of the last two seasons at Mississippi state and they've had a pretty good defense. Um, another guy, you know, he's from Louisiana ties to the South, uh, all of that. And, and really athletic. He's got good size, six, one, two thirty. uh, seems like exactly the type of, you know, prototype that, that Mel Tucker's looking for. Um, so we'll see if that comes to fruition. I think the interesting thing is you mentioned two linebackers, and for a defense that is starting only two linebackers, uh, that you know we we've read some kind of uh, very off the wall reports and not reports whispers about um, you know some of the guys on the roster not really adjusting very well. 
Um, I think we can comfortably say we were kind of talking about this offline. Like we can comfortably go into any given season in the next three years with Cal Halliday as a starting linebacker and feel really good about it. And the thing with Mel Tucker and his philosophy is that no spot is good enough. There's always a way to improve no matter how good of a player you have in that spot. He's not safe because he's going to always go out there and try to improve it. So, you know, we can look at these linebacker spots and saying, okay, well, we're trying to improve maybe the Quiveris crouch spot because, you know, he didn't really perform as well as consistently. I think more importantly, as a lot of us would have hoped. So, you know, out of the two starters, we're trying to replace him. Well, number one, I, I don't think that's Mel Tucker's philosophy at all. I think he's trying to replace everybody on the roster if he can find something better. And number two, remember what he said after Ohio State, where we're not, we have good starters, but we don't have enough guys who can quote unquote win one on one in those big time matchups against NFL dudes. And number two, our depth is pretty terrible. And, you know, he said that in a lot nicer words, but. Our, our two deep, our three deep, it, it gets pretty rough pretty quick. So just bringing in more talent um, is, is always a good thing. And the, the transfer portal is quickly becoming uh, a way to get in guys who are proven at power five level. Um, you know, both of these guys, uh, obviously UNLV, not a power five school, but played a ton of football, played against power five opponents and, and held up really well. So you know, whereas high schoolers, we look at Ma'anauteote, he looked lost at times this year. And I know he's got a good recruiting profile and good potential, but he's not ready to play right now. And through the portal, you can get guys who are ready to play right now. Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly with everything. Um, they are, it's not about replacing guys. It's not about filling holes. It's about having the most talented roster you can have. Um, and that's the priority here. So we'll see, obviously, if, if we land any of these guys, it'll be the first thing we talk about when we jump on um, our next episode. One more name to keep an eye on, Chris Bogle, defensive end from Florida, who I think picked up a crystal ball or two to Michigan State. We hosted him, had originally had chatter of going to Kentucky when he entered the transfer portal, I believe, coming from Florida. But um Somebody out there thinks Michigan State's got a good shot at him too. Obviously, defensive end is it definitely a position of need next year. We wiped out basically our whole defensive end room uh, of guys that could or have been contributing this year. Yeah, so, that's that's going to uh, be a, an off-season episode where we'll go really deep dive, maybe even before the bowl game of like, what are we losing? What do we need? Because we kind of forget like all of our defensive ends are seniors and like out of these spots. So yeah, we're going to need to bring in some guys and it's not going to be just as a reminder, it's not going to be last year's transfer portal fiasco last year. If you, if you kind of go back and think about it now that the year's over, <clears throat> we had in the two deep contributors from the, from the transfer portal, obviously we didn't use Russo. We didn't need him because Thorne was played well and was healthy knock on wood. Um, but at quarterback, at running back, at wide receiver, at tight end, at offensive line, at defensive line, at linebacker, and in the defensive backfield, every group had some sort of impact from the portal. I don't think it's going to be the same this year, uh, but I do think you know it's it's not something that's going away either. 
any other positions you think they're really going to key on in the transfer portal this year? Obviously linebacker maybe wasn't on the top of the list, but they're clearly making a priority for me, defensive end. And I think uh, tackle on the offensive side of the ball, anything else uh, for you? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we already saw Jalen Berger, the running back come in. That would, that was a spot that I was definitely looking for somebody who can come in and play right away. We got that spot locked up. I don't think that means they're necessarily done looking for running backs, but you know, a spot that nobody's really talking about right now is wide receiver. I think, you know, there we've talked about the kind of depth and available guys that have potential, but again, like we've seen very little of a lot of these guys, whether it's um, Keon Coleman or, or name your, you know, your flavor of the month, wide receiver, freshman or incoming freshman. But again, the whole thing with the portal is you're bringing in guys who are ready to play right away. And if Jaden Reed goes, um, if Jalen Naylor goes and all of a sudden you're left with a, a void at, at the wide receiver spot of, of experienced, talented guys who can play, um, that's a spot that I wouldn't overlook. I wouldn't be surprised if we went out and got um, a, a receiver from, you know, one of those kind of, again, similar to the UNLV linebacker, like a smaller school guy who has a ton of experience and a lot of, you know, career yards, but you know, has wants to prove it at the, at the power five level before he gets draft eligible and he comes in for a year. I wouldn't be surprised if we target a guy like that. Yeah. I think if you have an immediate contributor, you could certainly find um, the right fit there. The other position that I think is kind of obvious is cornerback brought in, I I don't know, four or five. I don't remember what the final tally was last year. Transfer corners. Um, Obviously that group is still developing and I'm sure if we can land an instant contributor at that position, we will jump all over that opportunity. Um, So we'll keep an eye out. Obviously we'll touch on it anytime these names come through on the other side, flip side of the coin, some guys heading out uh, just to round up real quick, everyone, obviously mid season, we had Alex Aquilo, Kalen Gervin, who's found a home in Wisconsin and Chase Klein all announced mid season. We completed the trade for Jalen Berger with Wisconsin. So he's coming in, but uh, a couple more recently as our season has regular season came to a close, Michael Dowell, I think we touched on as well as Emmanuel flowers, Michael Gravely, the latest one that I don't think we've talked about is Ricky White, who has had an interesting, to say the least, uh, time at Michigan State. Obviously, the breakout performance against Michigan was really his only big game Um, this year, struggled with some off the field stuff, getting back with the program, never fully made it back to the program. So he just announced he'll be on the way out and in a very busy wide receiver room, missing a year with the team. I don't think that's the biggest surprise. So Wishing all these guys luck. Hopefully they'll find a home where they can contribute and take a shot at uh, making their dreams come true. Yeah, I think, right, Ricky White, it's going to be really interesting because I think if if the off-the-field stuff is cleared and we all know what I'm talking about, if if that turns into a non-issue, um, I'm really interested to see if if another kind of bigger Power 5 program takes a look at him like he had eight catches for 196 yards and a touchdown against Michigan. And I know that Michigan team last year and the Michigan defense last year wasn't that good, but it still takes a lot of talent to go for 196 yards against anybody. 
And so I, yeah, that's, that's a really interesting one. I'm really curious where he lands because he was a pretty big recruit. I mean, it's not like he was a five-star kid, but uh, he was one of the higher rated recruits in that class as well. So he had a pretty good recruiting profile, came out and had a monster game against uh, a rival against another big 10 team. That's going to be an interesting one. Like you said, I mean, it's, I think there's a lot of off the field stuff that we're just, we're not privy to, and, and we won't really speak on. But uh, as far as the, the strictly on the field talent, there's, there's plenty, uh, plenty there. So curious to see where he winds up. I think Dowell was one where we, I don't really recall if we mentioned it, but just a a quick note. Um, I would have loved to have him around for depth. I think he's a great depth defensive back because he's pretty versatile. Um, Somebody will get a good one in him though. I think he could be a good starter somewhere in the lower power five, upper group of five. Yeah, I think he'll find a good home. Um, Michael Gravely picked up a couple offers from Power 5. I think Missouri, uh, Penn State was in on that one. So he's getting some some early love, big recruit. Um, so not, not surprised to see that. One more name we missed, C.J. Hayes, who's also had a long and up-and-down career at Michigan mm-hmm. State, has battled some injuries. Hayes Island. Did, did say he's going to play in the bowl game. I think he mostly contributed in special teams this year when he saw the field. Um, but pretty cool to see that. You know, even when he's heading out the door, Mel Tucker and company are willing to uh, keep him around through the bowl game, give him a, a nice send off and and cool that he wants to stick around and kind of put a cap on his career with one more game. Um, that's it for transfers right now. As far as the recruiting landscape, we did pick up, I think, one or two preferred walk ons this week, but no big news on that front. Uh, obviously national signing day coming up in exactly one week from today. So we should have plenty of news then um, and maybe even between now and then, but Kevin on the recruiting front, anything I'm missing that's worth noting. No, we're still just kind of waiting on the actual announcements of some of these guys. Maybe they're waiting until national signing day. Uh, Zion young, the defensive end, decommitted from West Virginia, Caleb Coley, the corner from Georgia, as well as the big fish, Armani Winfield, the wide receiver out of Texas. Um, all of those guys, uh, for sure, Armani Winfield and um, for sure, Caleb Coley. Uh, Mel Tucker has visited in person. So very clearly priorities that that he took the, the PJ, the private jet down and and uh, made sure to, to get the in-person visit down there. Um, and the, the, the real big fish, the real big kahuna, both figuratively and literally, uh, Keontae Goodwin is on campus this coming weekend here. Um, I, forget, I think Michigan State has a pretty crappy basketball game, unfortunately. I think we play like Penn State. Um, you know, it would have been really nice if that lined up with like a Michigan or uh, you know, one of the bigger non-conference or something like that. But, uh, you know, regardless, any Michigan State game at the Breslin is always a good time. So I'm sure that they will be in attendance for the basketball game this weekend or whatever else they're doing on campus. Um, that's going to be an interesting one to follow here because he is the real big kahuna. He is the big fish. He is six foot eight, what, 340 pounds and athletic and also a five-star kid who would probably start day one. So that's, that's really the, the big name that everybody's looking for. Yep. Last official visit on his schedule. He plans to commit on the 15th 
Um, we're going to see. It's it's a big one. It's I, a lot of people have quote unquote good feelings about it, but they're all Michigan State fans, so take it right. with <laughs> a mountain of salt. I'm sure the um, we're Kentucky getting the last fans crack at him. and the Alabama fans all have pretty good feelings about it too. So that's recruiting yeah, a prospect for you. like this gives you a lot of good feelings. So um, we will next yeah. next Monday we have a, a plan to kind of break down before the early signing period and, and just kind of recap all the recruiting stuff that we've missed over the course of the football season. Um, we get locked into football and not as much the recruiting side. So we will give like a kind of full recap where we stand right now who we have committed, who we might have coming down the pipeline and, and everything like that. We'll definitely get to all of it. So, you know, if, if you've been missing some recruiting talk Monday, make sure you're subscribed because we will get to um, all of that before the early signing day. And then obviously coming out of that, we will kind of say, see if there were any surprises in a good way or a bad way and, and kind of go through it all. So next week will be a lot of recruiting focused, um, the last couple of weeks, it's, you know, we're still in the, in the swing of our season, which, you know, we get kind of dialed into a routine and it's hard to break. So now we have a, t- a chance to really kind of get back to that side of things, but. Yeah. So that's kind of everything we had in our back pocket, some college football playoff expansion chatter just for the sake of it, but we'll save that either for a slower day in the bowl season or the off season. We can always touch on that. Um, I think we're just about wrapped here, Kevin, anything else? That about does it. Hopefully uh, if you do, if you happen to be a student or if you are on campus or for any reason and Keontae Goodwin, you will definitely recognize him. I promise you that. And uh, you know, show him some love. Don't be uh, don't be that guy, but also, you know, show him some love. We would love to have him, in East Lansing. Again, he's six foot eight and you definitely won't miss him if you see him. So if you're at the basketball game and, and something like that, but yeah, uh, let's get out of here. Let the people get back to the, their week. Hope everybody has a great Wednesday. We will see you Monday with a a kind of recruiting roundup here before signing day. And like I said, uh, make sure that you head over to the bull pick'em make your picks straight up winners. Uh, We will be announcing that and pushing it before the first bowl games kick off and uh, make sure you're following on all the social media stuff. We're going to have some fun here with that all off season long. Have a great week. We'll talk to you guys soon. Go green. Go white. Take care folks. 